0: And it is another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or InvestingHope.com or you're listening at iTunes or Google Play, uh, wherever podcasts are found, you can find this show. And we are grateful that you have found us. Today we got a lot to talk about. Last week we talked about kind of the media's narrative when it comes to abortion. We, we highlighted... Uh, some things that are some some articles and, and different conversations that are being had across different media platforms, where they 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 argued about viability and and all these things when it comes to abortion, and and I made the point that look they don't care about viability. It's not about viability. It's about uh, access to abortion, no matter what. And, and what we're going to do today is kind of dive in further and look at that and what that means and. And there was even, I'm not going to go into it here, but the, I may go into it in the, in the next few weeks. But there was even an article, uh, that was written by a, an abortion advocate where she simply says, look, the viability argument is a, uh, is wrong-headed. And what she says is, is, why would anyone argue viability? Why would anyone say that viability of the baby in the womb, Matt, of course she didn't say baby. She would say, why would anyone argue that viability of the fetus matters? The first 15 weeks, the, the, the fetus depends on the mother, and and we allow for abortion. But after that, the fetus can live outside of the womb, and yet we don't allow for abortion in those cases. And what she's arguing is abortion no matter what. Because, again, she's saying the, the quiet part out loud that viability doesn't matter to them. You see, when, when pro-lifers have the conversation of, hey, well, what about, uh, shouldn't, we, shouldn't we be concerned when the baby is viable so the baby can survive outside the womb? Shouldn't we at the very least restrict abortion then? The abortion side would say, well, that doesn't matter. Viability matters none. We need access to abortion no matter what. And we're going to see later on in the show that California sees it that way. They see it that way in legislation that they're passing. The, the abortion lobby sees it that way in legislation that they're pursuing. But you know what doesn't see it that way? National poll after national poll after national poll would say that viability matters. Now, for pro-lifers, we go even further and say that it's not just viability. It's heartbeat. It's not just heartbeat. It's conception. And so so we do go a lot further. But when it comes to the, the population at large – they believe that viability matters. Many of them believe the heartbeat matters. And so that's a conversation that we need to have. But, but before I get into that, I want to talk about, so we looked at the media's narrative. What we also need to look at is, is how the justice system handles pro-lifers. And so there's a, there's a piece over at National Review that, that I think is important. And, and you National Review, I, I highlight on here quite a bit because they spend a lot of time talking about abortion, and, and I'm grateful for that. <clears throat> and so they've covered extensively at National Review, the pro-life whistleblower David DeLayton and his Center for Medical Progress in 2015 released video footage from an undercover investigation revealing rampant wrongdoing among abortion providers who have profited from the body parts of aborted babies. Now, I'm not going to go into it uh, here, but one way that they profit through the, the, the bodies of aborted babies is gain of function research. And if you've been paying attention over the last uh few weeks, you've heard that phrase. Rand Paul has brought it up in, in committee hearings about gain of function research and why that's important and, and why we shouldn't be spending our money on gain of function research and what does that mean? That means that taking viruses that are already, you know, kind of dangerous and, and amplifying them, kind of viruses on steroids. And then and then going further by saying, hey, can can this virus uh go from animal to human? Uh, can this virus go from human to animal? And, and even to the point that, that Barack Obama, when he was in office, said, hey, we need to, we need to pump the brakes on gain of function research. And and so, a lot of the times when you see that, that, uh, and, and with the David DeLayden videos, when you see abortion providers, Planned Parenthood and, and other, uh, folks selling baby body parts, a lot of them were selling them to research institutions. A lot of them were selling them to scientists for research purposes. So, so in cases of, I mean, we have, we, we sew on scalps on the back of rats. I mean, we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff that if it was done in, uh, in Germany during World War II, we would have said it was evil. But, but we can do it and say it's research and it's allowed. And so I say all that to say, that's why we need to have a conversation when it comes to the selling of, uh, fetuses that, that are aborted. And it should, it should matter to us certainly. But, but this article goes further and it says, in DeLayden's footage, abortion industry workers, including executives at Planned Parenthood, admitted to selling organs and tissue from aborted babies for research, violating several federal and state laws in the process. Even though subsequent congressional investigations turned up evidence confirming what DeLayden captured on video, he and his group have been the only ones to face any significant consequences since 2015. And, and, and going from there, since 2015, he has been embroiled in several costly lawsuits, including from the National Abortion Federation, Planned Parenthood, in the state of California, seeking to punish him and suppress his footage. Now, if you'll remember, back in 2015, they argued that his footage was edited heavily. Then he released every single second and minute of the video on YouTube with no editing, and they still said it was edited. Uh, this article goes further. It says, posing as a potential fetal tissue buyer, DeLayden, uh, this is just to kept uh, catch you up on, on what happened in 2015. DeLayden had captured video evidence suggesting that prominent abortionists, Planned Parenthood executives, and biotechnology companies were engaged in a systematic campaign to profit from the body parts of aborted babies in violation of state and federal laws. Nearly six years later, despite congressional investigations confirming much of what he had exposed, DeLayden and his team have been the only ones to face serious legal repercussions. Ever since DeLayden began to show the public what he had discovered, abortion organizations and their political allies have targeted him, bringing the force of law against him for having dared to expose the wrongdoing of malfactors in the abortion industry the explanations for that injustice rest primarily on the fact that abortion organizations possess immense financial resources which they wield to obscure evidence of their unsavory practices and illegal activity they rely heavily on assistance from legal and political actors who support abortion and who use their power to protect abortion providers from consequences They have come to expect favorable kid glove coverage from legacy media outlets determined to demonize pro-lifers and ignore the truth about abortion and the grisly industry that sustains it. As a result, DeLayden and his allies have spent years fighting in court to keep his videos available and to keep him out of jail, while the abortion purveyors, whose corruption he revealed, have skated by mostly unscathed. Due in large part to the gruesomeness of the footage, the release of the CMP videos in 2015 received a great deal of initial attention. But Planned Parenthood executives immediately rolled out a public relations campaign to defend the group's image, and media allies mounted an enormous effort to defend Planned Parenthood and and to discredit Deladen. By the time lengthy congressional investigations confirmed that Planned Parenthood and others involved in fetal tissue trafficking appeared to have Uh, Flouted numerous significant laws, the news cycle and the public had, for the most part, lost interest. DeLayden was left to face the wrath of those whose nefarious dealings and grave legal violations he had so graphically exposed, and his fight for justice continues to this day, six years later. So consider in contrast to this injustice the way our legal system tends to reward other sorts of whistleblowers— Right, We celebrate whistleblowers, such as animal rights activists who go undercover to film mistreatments of animals at factory farms. We see those all over the Internet. Those undercover investigations rarely face significant legal repercussions, but instead typically succeed in bringing about consequences for those whose legal activity they exposed. Had DeLayden gone undercover to expose any other kind of criminal wrongdoing, he would be celebrated as a national hero. Instead... Because he dared to challenge the abortion industry, he has spent half of a decade fighting to stay out of jail and avoid crushing legal fines for the crime of revealing to the public the evil of the abortion industry and the corruption of its political and media allies. That is what has happened since 2015. So so think about that. It is okay, and you're celebrated if you're a whistleblower and you say, hey, something's happening in Wuhan due to the virus. You're celebrated if you're a whistleblower and you say something is happening in the military that that isn't right and we need to have ramifications for that. If you go onto a farm and you see that animals are being mistreated, you're celebrated as a whistleblower. But if you go behind the scenes of the abortion industry, you're fighting not to go to jail. All he did was sit down with executives of the abortion industry and talk about Selling organs of aborted babies That's what he did And he recorded all of it While they're having their salads While they're talking about Buying Lamborghinis While they're talking about Putting babies back together In a tray That had been aborted But Delayden is the one That's fighting the courts You see that's upside down When When Kermit Gosnell was finally caught in Philadelphia After 20 plus years of of evil doing Do you think the abortion industry Had a black eye because of that? Of course not Do you think the abortion industry came out and said Gosnell does not represent us He is not who we are Do you think abortion proponents and, and advocates came out and said He's not us He doesn't represent us. No, of course they didn't. What they try to do is sweep it under the rug and act like it never happened because guess what? They believe what he was doing was okay. He just happened to get caught. Now, and I can't see it any other way. Because if they believed what he was doing was wrong, then they would have said it. It's kind of like as, as Christians, when we see a Christian fall or when we see something happen within the church and somebody messes up or somebody stumbles or, or whatever, what do we do? We, we call them out and go, that's not one of us. They do not represent us as a whole. Yet, the abortion industry won't do that. Instead, we're, we're told that, that oh, you, you conservatives want to politicize everything. Yet the abortion industry literally spends millions and millions and millions of dollars to get candidates elected, to show up in the Oval Office, to target pregnancy centers, to make their brand go even further. Yet I'm the one that wants to politicize things. And we talked about it on here. You know, the the Supreme Court has, over the last couple weeks, have have taken up some cases, and and they've really ruled in a conservative manner. But they've already said they're taking up the Mississippi case when it comes to abortion, and I have a feeling, I'm pretty confident, they're going to rule in favor of Mississippi, which means more restrictions are coming for abortion, not just in Mississippi, but across the country, and you wait. Here's what's going to happen. The left and the, the the pro-abortion industry is going to come out and say we can't trust the courts to deal with this. The courts have gone too far because that's the that's the playbook. That's what they do. Years ago, California said we need to vote on marriage. We believe that this state wants marriage to mean. Man and man, woman and woman, woman and man, whatever. It can be whatever we want it to. And the people of California voted. And you know what? They voted and said marriage is between one man and one woman. And what did the apparatus do? They came out and said, you know what? A vote isn't enough. We need the courts to decide for us. And the courts gave them that win and that victory. Not just for California, but for the country. So they're going to come out and say the courts, it's not good enough. We need to get more judges on the courts that are going to side in our favor because because they're willing to do that and they control the media narrative we talked about that last week go listen to last week's show where we talked about how they how they word things the the phrases that they choose to use when they call pro-lifers anti-abortion but they call pro-abortion folks they're just for pro-choice they're just for choice that's it so david eladen is doing god's work and he's attacked He's having a fight to stay out of jail. He's having to spend millions of dollars in legal fees. Why? Because California wants abortion on demand. And, and, and yeah, we want to research too. Yeah, we want to make profit off the selling of these organs and these babies. Yeah, we are going to do that. No, we're not going to tell the mom that is getting the abortion that we're going to sell the remains of her fetus. We're not going to tell her that. That's what was happening. We okay with that? We'll talk more when we come back. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. So we continue the conversation looking at a new poll that's been released to coincide with the Supreme Court taking up the case out of Mississippi, and I told you, look, when I brought up this uh, a few weeks ago, I told you we're going to be talking quite a bit about That court case because it's a big deal. It's big for the pro-life movement. Uh, it's big for a shot against Roe v. Wade. And, and so we're going to talk a lot about that. But, uh, but it's been interesting because, uh, the polling numbers continue to show that, that more and more people are pro-life. Uh, and, and that's just the reality. So over at the Washington Examiner, they, they're covering it. The National, uh, Anti-Abortion Coalition, bolstered by independent voters, has increased to the point of threatening pro-abortion Democrats by a wide 25-point margin. In a new survey for the pro-life Susan B. Anthony list, timed to coincide with the surprise Supreme Court decision to consider a challenge to Mississippi's ban on abortion after 15 weeks, 53% of likely voters said they would support a GOP candidate who backs the limit versus 28% for a Democratic supporter of abortion on demand. The split among voters grows even wider when those polls are told that, quote, an unborn child has the capacity to feel pain. In his analysis of the data, pollster Wes Anderson said there is a strong center-right coalition that supports the Supreme Court allowing significant limits on abortion. In short, a strong majority of voters oppose unrestricted abortion on demand throughout pregnancy, end quote. And he said the political impact could be significant. The study strongly indicates that the pro-life side of the issue enjoys significantly more intensity than the pro-choice side. Politically, the pendulum has swung decisively in our direction. The court's decision to consider the challenge of the Mississippi ban is considered the first major abortion case since 1973, Roe v. Wade, decision to okay abortion. That has sparked a new fight over abortion and elevated it to the top issue in the 2022 midterm elections. It is also likely to highlight the differences between President Joe Biden's efforts to clear all hurdles nationally and internationally to abortion and former President Donald Trump's embrace of the pro-life cause. The survey provided exclusively to Secrets also comes on the heels of a $2 million national campaign by the Susan B. Anthony List to highlight the humanity of unborn children in advance of the court's decision. In the survey, Anderson said that independents are breaking pro-life when asked about choosing a Republican or Democrat in an election. This question yields a strong center-right coalition for life, which independents supporting the GOP 15-week limit candidate over the Democrat abortion-on-demand candidate 54% to 18%. At the same time, Republicans break 90% to 3% on the question. That is the definition of a strong center-right coalition. And the survey found that on a scale of importance from 1 to 10, 43% of likely pro-life voters identified abortion as being very important in deciding their vote for an elected official, while only 29% of pro-choice voters said the same. Uh, Susan B. Anthony's uh, list, uh, the president of that organization, said that the survey should be a warning sign to Democrats who take a full-speed-ahead approach to abortion. The majority of voters reject late-term abortion and the Democratic candidates who shamefully advocate for it. At 15 weeks, unborn children can feel pain. And most European countries limit abortions at this point. There is strong support among the American people for our nation's laws to finally catch up with science and international norms, she said. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth, folks. Look, I, again, I, and, and I'll say this to I'm blue in the face. I, I want to see abortion over, period. I want it gone. But but we're kidding ourselves. And and anyone, any candidate that, that claims the vast majority of the populace in this country and around the world, any candidate that claims the vast majority of the populace is for abortion all the way through nine months, they are lying to you. They are so disconnected with reality. It is laughable. It's laughable. And the problem for a long time is is the pro-life movement struggled to articulate what was happening. And so we never got to the conversation. Now, that's not necessarily a knock against the pro-life movement. It's because we don't have the platform. What do we have? We may have conservative media when it comes to talk radio. We may have Fox News some days. We we may have some things and some shows that, that garner a lot of views like Tucker Carlson and others. We may have folks that have a large audience like Rush Limbaugh did or Glenn Beck. But the reality is we don't have CNN. We don't have MSNBC. We don't have ABC. We don't have NBC. We don't have CBS. We don't have PBS. We don't have every single television show that ever comes out that's pushing an agenda that typically leans left, that typically is okay with abortion. You've had major, major primetime series shows that are on TV primetime on CBS, NBC and ABC that promote abortion. You see, that's what we're up against. So, so when you if you live in that bubble, and you're only on social media, and then you live in the bubble that is Hollywood, then yeah, one might think, man, the whole population is is just for abortion all the time, no matter what. No. No. You go talk to to individuals one-on-one, and you say, hey, do you think abortion should be allowed after the baby feels pain? Do you think abortion should be allowed after viability? The vast majority of them are going to say, no, no, I don't. I don't think that's okay. And so what we have seen over the last few years is we've seen comedians even, big podcast stars like Joe Rogan. We've seen comedians that are, that are anti-gospel, that are atheists, that are secularists going, I kind of get the pro-life argument. Like it is a baby. Like so, so you're seeing folks come out and go, <clears throat> look, look, I, you know, I may be liberal and I'm, I may vote a certain way, but let's not kid ourselves. That's a baby in the womb. So people are starting to grasp, like, okay, we're not dealing with just a blob. You, you can't make that argument anymore. And so when you ask the questions the right way, that's what this survey showed through the Susan B. Anthony list. When you have the conversations the right way and you say, should abortion be celebrated or not? Should abortion be allowed all through nine months? The vast majority of the world is going to say, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. So so what do we do with that? Well, first off, when it comes to politics, what I would say is if you're listening to this and you claim to be a pro-life politician, don't just play lip service to it. Actually pass something. Now, our state has done a good job in doing that. We have local state reps and senators that are doing that. We have a governor that cares deeply about that. But where we miss the boat is in Washington. Conservatives that claim to be pro-life, we're going to defund Planned Parenthood, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. In the last year of Trump's administration, Planned Parenthood got over $600 million from the federal government. So if you're going to campaign on it, and you're gonna claim that that's the biggest issue for you, then do something about it. Craft legislation. Vote for it. Actually do it. Because the polls, the polls are behind you. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me. If you're a politician, that's what you go by. What do the polls say? It's the same reason why, if you look back in, uh, during Bill Clinton's time, Bill Clinton, toward the second part of his his second term, or, or the first part of his second term, he looked around and was like, I can't go too far left. That's why he won reelection. And that's why he became president for another four years. That's why he was a two term president. Because he's I'm not saying that he was a conservative, but what he did say was I'm not going to go so far left. Because what he saw was the House and the Senate get taken over by Republicans. He saw the writing on the wall. That's what politicians do. But what kills me is the polls support pro-life candidates in these areas, yet they won't do anything about it. And they should be held accountable at the voting booth. We support you. And at the very least, we need to stand for the most vulnerable, and that are those growing inside the womb. Let's do it. And hopefully these polls that keep coming out showing that, that the mindset is changing in our country that Washington will recognize that. We'll talk more when we come back. That's good stuff right there, Travis Tritt. You know, that was my senior year of high school. That song came out. I was working in country radio, my senior year of high school, and I played that song to death. Such a great song. Uh, as we continue the conversation today, you know, we're, we're kind of bouncing around uh, with with polls and, and things that are happening around the country. Because I think it's important as we move uh, closer and closer to the Supreme Court actually deciding on the case out of Mississippi to see what the states across the country are doing. And California, uh, this probably comes to no surprise to you, uh, is making some moves to, to allow for abortion uh, all the way through nine months. And not just allow for it, but pay for it. So even as most states are trying to make it harder to get an abortion, California can make it free for more people. Now it's not free, it's taxpayer dollars, but they don't, they don't want to say that. State lawmakers are debating a bill to eliminate out-of-pocket expenses like copays and payments toward deductibles for abortions and related services, such as counseling. The measure approved by the Senate and headed to the Assembly would apply to most private health plans regulated by the state. So far this year, 559 abortion restrictions have been introduced in 47 state legislatures, 82 of which have already been enacted, said Elizabeth Nash, a state policy analyst at the Guttmacher Institute, a nonpartisan research, yeah, that's funny, Uh, institute that studies abortion and reproductive health care. They are not nonpartisan. That's already the third highest number of abortion restrictions adopted in a year since the U.S. Supreme Court's landmark Roe v. Wade ruling of 1973, which affirmed the legal right to an abortion. Uh, by comparison, just a handful of bills, including California's, would make it easier or cheaper to terminate a pregnancy. She said, now why do you think that is? Why do you think there are so many bills out there across the country to restrict abortion and only a handful to, uh, to allow for more abortions? You think it has anything to do with polling? You think it has anything to do with With some Democrats that that represent some more conservative leaning areas that they're kind of afraid to step on that out on that limb. You think you think that has anything to do with it? Of course it does. Remember, folks, that's how politics work. The polls matter. That's why you look back. And and there was a time when Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and Bill Clinton came out in strong support, strong support of marriage being between one man and one woman. And then all of a sudden that narrative changed. Why? Because the polls changed. You see, they didn't hell, they didn't hold some deep, deep seated value system. They didn't hold some deep seated conviction that marriage is between one man and one woman. No, the polls for a long time said that marriage is between one man and one woman. So you had Hillary and Barack coming out and saying, yeah, I believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. And then, the polls shifted, and guess what? The narrative shifted. Not just for Democrats, but for Republicans. Republicans don't even talk about it anymore. Why? Because the polls shifted. It's not that difficult to understand this. Polling matters. That's why only a handful of bills across the country have looked to open up abortion even more. And that's why it happens in places like California and places like New York and places like Illinois. Because they're super blue. So they're not going to offend their constituents. But you're not going to see it in, in other places that, that are kind of purple. You're not going to see that move. The article goes further. That's already the third highest number of abortions uh, since Roe v. Wade, the, the abortion restrictions adopted since Roe v. Wade. By comparison, again, just a handful of bills, including Californias, would make it easier or cheaper to terminate a pregnancy. What does that mean, terminate a pregnancy? Remember how I talk about words matter. That means ending the life of a human. That's what terminate a pregnancy means. So this article should say, by comparison, just a handful of bills, including Californias, would make it easier or cheaper, to end the life of a human in the womb. The state legislature is considering the bill just as the fate of Roe v. Wade has been thrown into question. The conservative-leaning Supreme Court has agreed to review later this year a Mississippi law that bans abortion after 15 weeks, and its ruling could end or weaken Roe. It's tough to know your reproductive rights may be in question again after it's been decided for 40 years, says state Senator Lena Gonzalez, author of the California bill, we're taking a stance, not just to make abortions available, but to make them free and equitable. Abortion opponents believe the state should instead make birth and maternity care more affordable. Instead of giving patients more choices in their reproductive health care and family planning, this bill promotes just one option, and that is ending the life of a child. If we're looking, if we're trying to look out for the economically disadvantaged, I think it's repulsive. That the best we can offer is a free abortion. Amen and amen. Think about that. The pro-abortion folks in California are saying we need abortion free and we need to make it equitable. We need to really expand who's getting an abortion. Everybody should get one. Like it's some kind of trend or or a new outfit. Our new diet plan. Hey, everybody should get one. We need, we really need to make it equitable. And the pro-lifer in the state rightfully says, it's kind of repulsive that the best we can do is offer a free abortion. California already offers broad protection for abortion. It's one of six states that require health insurance plans to cover abortions. And most enrollees in the state's Medicaid program for low-income people, Medi-Cal, pay nothing out of pocket for the procedure. When Bella Calamore decided to seek an abortion in May 2020, she thought the procedure would be free. But at the clinic, she learned that her father had recently enrolled her in his Blue Cross Blue Shield plan, which told her she would owe $600 after insurance was applied. Calamore said, financially, it just didn't seem reasonable for me to spend that. A college student, she had lost her job as a waitress during the pandemic and had no income. The abortion cost more than her rent that month, she said. Calamore sat in her car surrounded by anti-abortion protesters and tried to figure out what to do. She decided to pay for the abortion, leaving $200 in her bank account, barely enough for food for the rest of the month. Look, my heart goes out to Calamore. But you paid $600 to end the life of a human, and, and you're saying you shouldn't have had to pay anything. That kind of bugs me when we use the language that we use. Calamore later got involved with NARAL, Pro-Choice America, a group that promotes abortion rights, and testified before the Senate Health Committee. Folks, listen how flippant we are about ending the life of a human. What if... What if there was a family in 2020 during the pandemic that lost their jobs and had a newborn? Say they they just had the baby. The baby was a week old. They lost their jobs during the pandemic. They're they're struggling to pay rent. They're struggling to feed everybody. They're struggling to keep the lights on, struggling to keep uh, the water running, struggling to buy groceries. What if that person argued, you know, I don't need this baby? This one week old is 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 holding me back, and I'm going to end its life because that's going to really free up our bank account. We would say you're crazy, and every law in the book would say that. But yet we're flippantly writing and talking about in this article somebody saying, I can't believe I had to pay $600. The state should have paid for it. Taxpayers should have paid for it. Taxpayers that have strong convictions against abortion should have paid for it. That's what they're arguing. The bill would not apply to the millions of Californians whose health insurance plans are regulated by the federal government. Out of approximately 23,000 women who get abortions in California each year, roughly 9,650 would be affected by this bill, according to an analysis by the California Health Benefits Review Board. The board estimates the bill would lead to a 1% increase in abortions among those whose cost-sharing would be eliminated or the equivalent of about 100 additional abortions per year. 100 additional heartbeats ended per year. And we just write it in a sentence and move on. You see, when, when you talk about 1% when it comes to taxes, you're like, that's not a big deal. When you talk about a 1% raise, you may say, that's not, that's not a lot. But when you talk about 1% more, lives being ended via abortion... That's 100 heartbeats. ended. So 1% is kind of a big deal. While the measure likely would not significantly increase abortions, again, significantly, waiving costs would help those who would otherwise have to make financial sacrifices, like falling behind on rent or cutting back on groceries, said Jessica Pinckney, executive director of, Access reproductive justice, a fund that helps people pay for abortions. My goodness. We've noticed a lot of callers who had private insurance plans and really restrictive copays or high deductibles. They're really creating a barrier. The cost of an abortion rises as the pregnancy progresses. A medical abortion in which pills are used to terminate a pregnancy costs California patients an average of three hundred and six dollars out of pocket, according to the board's analysis, but isn't available after ten weeks. After that, the only option is surgical abortion, which costs an average of $887 out of pocket in California. As a pregnancy advances, the cost goes up, and fewer pro- providers are willing to perform an abortion. Why do you think that is? Why do you think fewer providers are willing to perform abortions that they have to surgically remove the baby out of the womb? Why, why do you think that is? I don't know, maybe because it's disturbing? Maybe it's disturbing to do that. Just a hunch. The moment that a person finds out that they're pregnant, the clock is ticking as well as the meter. Several other states expanded abortion access this year. New Mexico repealed its pre-Roe law that banned abortion in case Roe is overturned. And Virginia repealed a ban on abortion coverage and plans sold through the state's marketplace. Hawaii expanded the category of medical professionals who can provide abortions. Washington now requires student health plans that cover maternity care to cover abortions as well. We are going backwards, folks. boggles my mind it boggles my mind that in 2021 the the freest most productive most progressive country on the planet when it comes to science and technology are looking for ways to make abortion easier it boggles my mind I do not understand it Lord help us we'll be back So look, as we finish up today, you know, this, this last piece of information that, that I've been sharing with you is, is one of the most disturbing. And I think it's disturbing to me because this article talks so nonchalantly about the ending of life. It just, it just, it, I, I don't, I don't even understand how somebody can write it and be so nonchalant about it. Like, regardless of where you fall on, on the pro-life, pro-choice debate, should we be nonchalant about it? I mean, what are we doing? The article, I, I did want to go further with it. it, says New Jersey lawmakers are considering a comprehensive abortion rights bill that would eliminate cost sharing for abortion, but advocates aren't optimistic about its chances. Meanwhile, total abortion bans have been passed in Oklahoma and Arkansas, as that bans on abortion after six weeks in Texas, Idaho, South Carolina, Oklahoma. None have gone into effect, leaving time for court challenges, said Nash from the Guttmacher Institute. Eliminating abortion costs for patients has been tried in other states, including Oregon, which adopted a comprehensive abortion rights law in 2017 that included language similar to California's. A handful of other states have provisions to reduce out-of-pocket costs. States have learned from contraception coverage and from California's experience requiring health plans to cover abortions that simply requiring something doesn't ensure patients can get it. Cost-sharing is a huge barrier to accessing services that you need to remove so people can actually get the care they need. Most essential health care, like routine immunizations, preventative services, and contraception, is already covered at no cost to the patient. Advocates of this bill say abortion is just as essential and should be treated the same way. I mean, think about that mindset. Abortion is just as essential as immunizations preventative service and contraception abortion they would argue falls right in line with that and taxpayers should pay for it the california Associ- association of health plans disagrees this measure is one of several this year that would eliminate out-of-pocket costs for treatments or medicines including insulin and other drugs for chronic diseases uh, we find this concerning as these bills would commute uh, uh, would increase premiums for all Health plan enrollees. Now see, that's what's happening. We can debate all you want about should, uh, your college loan be refunded or, or forgiven. We can debate on should we raise taxes on the wealthy or lower taxes on the middle class or whatever. That's one thing. But the government telling me that my tax dollars should pay for the ending of a life, that's nonsense. It's nonsense. I, I have no other words for it I, I mean we are uh, To be so far in advance As a culture When it comes to abortion practices We are so backward So backward I mean truly we're in line with, with North Korea When it comes to abortion We okay with that? We see that in the articles that we write Where China all of a sudden is a a hero because now they're allowing for families to have maybe two, maybe three kids. They took away the one kid limit. I mean, let's celebrate them. Let's, let's give them applause. Are you kidding me? But that's where we are. We have talked so flippantly about this issue for so long that, that we're, it doesn't even bother us anymore doesn't even bother. It's just another issue, just another political issue that gets people riled up. Instead of saying that, no, it's heartbeats, it's individuals, it's humans, it's unique individuals that have never been created before will never be created again. And and we're just saying, you know what? I shouldn't have to decide am I going to pay my rent or end the life of my child? I should be able to, you know, taxpayers should be able to take care of the abortion for me. I do think it's interesting when you read these articles and they say they they have trouble finding providers that will provide abortion after 10 weeks. As if that's surprising. Doctors take an oath to protect and preserve life. So so you're all of a sudden surprised now when when doctors are saying, you know, I'm not going to perform that abortion for you. Even if they're not believers. Even if they're kind of okay with abortion, they don't want to be involved with it. Why is that? Goes back to the polls. Because the vast majority of the populace would say it's not okay. Just know that. I think for a long time as pro-lifers, we have thought we're kind of like uh, on an island by ourselves. You're not. I know that because the polls show that. You're not by yourself. Most people think there should be restrictions. Now, how much restriction? That That's going to vary. But the vast majority of the populace think there should be restrictions. You're not alone. That's a good thing. We'll talk to you next week.